to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello, and welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. Doing something a little different this week, uh, as you know, if you've listened before, I try and give you useful hints and tips for internet marketing and SEO and try and just kind of generally demystify the world. But there's a topic that's been coming up a lot recently when myself and my peers talk about this SEO and this digital marketing and this social marketing thing. And that's the subject of ethics. So I thought it might be interesting to have an episode not necessarily aimed at business owners or people responsible for marketing to get free tips, but perhaps just to sort of start a dialogue on a subject I think probably needs some discussing. Now to have that, I to have that, to facilitate that and have that happen, I have a friend with me today. Mr. Friend, would you, that's not his name, Mr. Friend, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, um, I, I'm DJ. Um, I have started a freelance um, organization, I guess, called um, that I'm calling myself Rainbow Dragon Digital, where I'm dedicated to uh, providing my services to what I would consider ethical businesses and people who are trying to change the world. See, when I hear business names like yours, I really regret mine just being Andrew Law's Associates. I could have had a lot more fun fun with that. Do you care to explain it or is it just something you'd rather just keep mystical? Oh, no, I, I actually fully explain it on my website even um, where it comes from because it, uh, I very purposely named it as um, something that's very specific to me. I have, a, I have a tattoo on my arm that's of a, a, a rainbow dragon and it's because I was born in the year 88, which is the Chinese year of the dragon and um, eight is a lucky number in Chinese mythology and I was raised partially in Hong Kong. So I attribute a lot of the luck I've had a lot of the privilege I've had in life to um, Chinese culture superstitiously. And so um, the rainbow dragon is me. I, I am the rainbow dragon because I, I also love rainbows. If um, You, you uh, probably can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but my, my hair is constantly in rainbow colors. And um, anyone who actually knows me, know, it's the first thing that you, you ask about DJ, what does he love? It's rainbows. <laughs> That, that's brilliant that gives you kind of a lot more to talk about at networking events you know when people say tell us about your company and i'm just like well it's just my name isn't it <laughs> kind of <laughs> having rainbows in it is a lot more interesting right so as as you the listener can probably tell um my friend dj i'll call you dj that's the first time i've heard you introduce yourself as, as dj so i shall stick with that we decided on a rough structure for this or otherwise it might end up just being kind of two guys just just rambling on about about a topic so i'm going to kick this off by opening the discussion about what we consider to be a problem or what some of the problems might be and we're going to stick specifically to social media although that will wander into some kind of very nearby territory. So I'm going to open. I think one of the the problems that, that we're potentially seeing with social media in the way that it's used is people are prepared to disclose without much thought an incredible amount of information about themselves. And as a caveat, because I'm a marketer, I am aware that some of that information is is used in the way we build audiences to kind of target people and, and to to build to build marketing campaigns, but I see it as an issue that people are, you know, especially with Facebook, prepared to sit down and just bare their soul. Essentially, just give absolutely everything away. It would appear without much kind of hesitation or much thought. What's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, and and I think that um, it's interesting because talking about the, the history of this is that like Facebook didn't start as a marketing platform it didn't start as a place to 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 mine data and 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 get this um for the purpose of of advertising it started as a place to connect people and get people to communicate with each other right and and facebook was certainly not the the first one to do it, it just became the biggest and so it's 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 kind of this this natural instinct of of humans i think to want to share and to want to talk about what they're doing and and what they're proud of what they're want their their networks to know everything about themselves it's 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 fairly natural i i think to do that I can say there's a definite instinct. I mean, obviously, we're recording this in in October 2020, which has its own challenges with regards to kind of actually spending face-to-face time with people. And I can see a lot of positives. I mean, let's let's just look at the history of Facebook ever so quickly. I was speaking to a guy called Dan Callis, who's who's, um, one of the people I work with here. Hello, Dan, if you're listening to this. And he remembers Facebook from when he was at university, and you couldn't get an account without an academical email address. It was literally a thing for students to discuss things with each other. Um, well, I never went to university, but I can imagine some of the things. And I mean, like, wasn't wasn't it originally as a um, a way to compare uh, people? It was kind of like, it literally called Facebook because you were comparing people's faces and like rating people. And I think I think that was the original kind of thought behind it. I, kind of- I already don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. I, that. I already don't don't like that. I was looking for sort of, I was looking for kind of a, a, a rock foundation of saying Facebook started off as a really positive thing, but it was started off as a way to make kind of passing judgment on other humans <laughs> based on appearance only I'm, I'm not sure i like that at all <laughs> i mean like yeah and and it's 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 one of those things that's kind of like it it evolved to i feel like the history of facebook is kind of it evolved for the better at first you know it, it became it became this universal tool where it started off as this kind of unpalatable thing for a lot of people but but i think what's what's interesting and i think particularly pertinent to modern discussions of what Facebook has become is it it grew because of that human um, uh, perhaps not very great human instinct to judge people and and to use use um, this visual medium of of um, rating different people in different ways you know what I mean absolutely and it's in in you know, a lot of ways that really hasn't changed has it yeah and you know, people after you sir um well yeah it's like the 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 way that it gained popularity by by people being instinctively wanting to do this and and wanting more of it is kind of the same problem we're having now in that that people are um you know the the the, the algorithms are are playing on people's psychology on people's instincts and and to a point where there's a, a consent issue because because of they don't know that these games are being played with their heads. Can you explore that a little bit further? It'd be good to have a, what do they call it on Reddit, an E5. I always think it's ELUS, but it's not. It's E-L-I-5. Explain it like I'm a five. What, what do the algorithms do? If, for example, my mum logs onto Facebook and first of all she does is she texts me and asks why someone I've never heard of is saying something I've not seen. <laughs> But kind of beyond that point, as my mum sits there and starts clicking like on a few kind of family things or whatever, how does the algorithm then exploit 
what she might do next. I know this is a very general thing and you haven't met my mum, but yeah. she's pretty cool. I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so... Uh, it's it's what what it's doing is it creates interest profiles of all of the the users on Facebook, right? So when um and and this is all very visible. Uh, well, a lot of it is very visible in the Facebook ads platform. The kind of interests you can target, and Facebook the the algorithm is so complicated in that just liking a post it it knows what that post is about so it's kind of starting to associate you with the the topic of that post and if you like more posts that are similar of similar topics it starts to add that as an interest topic for your profile originally this was completely opaque you had no idea what google was putting as your interests but as this became more of a concern for people, there is now an area of Facebook where you can go and see what what topics are associated with your profile, and you can you can remove ones and and add ones if you want to. Um, so it's it's becoming clearer, but but this is this is kind of um, it wasn't it wasn't there originally at the start of Facebook that that kind of interest profiling it was it was a way to monetize a platform right that they didn't want to charge people for it so they were finding a way to monetize and the way to monetize was advertising and what what better way to advertise than than to target people exactly in the right interest area. And I was just I was just talking on a, a workshop recently about this, and I, I've been talking about this for a while. Is the difference between like search advertising and uh, interruption advertising? And you know, search advertising like Google Ads and stuff is where people are actively searching for a thing, while on Facebook you're interrupting their flow with something else. And the the only way to get interruption marketing to work correctly is to know that that person that you're interrupting is um, going to be. Uh, interested in what you're offering. Otherwise, otherwise, you're putting up a billboard and hoping that that the people walking by it are are the the right audience. Yes, I mean, uh, but just for me to do a quick explain it, like I'm five. The, the way Facebook advertising works, in principle, um, DJ's kind of kind of covered quite a lot of it, but just to make just to really break it down, is people like us, <laughs> the marketers, we go on, and if we're going to sell, um, I'm trying to think of something. If we're going to sell a jumper with a big butterfly on it, uh, we will look through, we'll do a little search on, on kind of the Facebook ad platform, and I would say something along the lines of, tell me or build me an audience of everyone who likes butterflies and who likes jumpers, because I'm going to sell a jumper with a butterfly on. Um, until I'm recording this in my wife's office, and there are butterfly things everywhere, which is really nice. Um, so that that is the the basis of the way Facebook advertising works. What interests me about what you're saying, DJ? Um, I'm aware I'm having to do the school teacher thing of like saying, "Now, what do you think about that?" And yeah, I, I, I obviously I know the answer because this is my this is my job just just as well. So where do you think the the line is crossed between the simple? Well, that person likes butterflies, so I'm going to allow advertisers to show them butterflies. I mean, that that seems fairly innocent to me. What's your problem with that, DJ? That sounds perfectly reasonable. <laughs> um, I guess I guess the the easy one to look at is is where it comes into like like politics, right? And one that's the, the hot button issue at the moment, right? Is that like political leanings um, could be quite easily identified on on social platforms because people are very likely to be actively displaying things that they like or dislike about um, certain political things. And this was the whole Cambridge Analytica problem of where. 
um, that data was then used nefariously to to show particular ads and misinformation to the people who were most likely to absorb that misinformation and and believe it. And that's that's where th- that's the very like clear cut wrong problem with it. Obviously, there's a whole lot of gray between butterfly jumpers and um, tricking people into voting. And I'm putting that on the um, on the featured image for this, Gareth. <laughs> Gareth, so I'm just going to talk to talk to my producer here, Gareth. Can you put DJ's quote? There's a there's a lot of gray area between kind of butterfly jumpers and. Oh no! Anyway, sorry, listener. I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt and I'll let you get on with it. That's just such a brilliant <laughs> quote. Sorry, gray area. Yeah. So, and I think that gray area is where um, where most business owners are concerned. Like, I guess, especially business owners who or, or marketers who are wanting to do things ethically, that gray area becomes a really confusing place to be in um, because you're because where it gets more con- more maybe concerning is like okay so trying to think of a, a good example of the gray area maybe um you know advertising to um oh well okay let's talk about remarketing right that's that's a one that a lot of people find a, a very iffy ethically but i find is quite gray because remarketing um to explain what it is is that when you uh have that you run an ad or you have a website and you put some code on your website so that the Facebook platform knows the people who have visited your website. They know the people who have clicked your ads and you can create these custom audiences in the Facebook platform. So then you can show ads to those people that you know have already visited your website or clicked your ads. And this this is kind of perhaps a, a wider display network thing because you can also use those audiences on the Google ads platform to have ads show up on random other websites because Google ads knows that you visited um, uh, that website. And so these are what what people, from the user perspective, what they see is I visited this website and now that ad is following me around everywhere. And they find that a little bit creepy, right? They, They find it a little bit creepy that this platform knows I visited this thing and I'm seeing it everywhere. So I think this is a massive gray area because a lot of people find that as a privacy violation. But at the same time, um, often what it can do, if it's used very effectively, you you can create these very specific ads that are to the people who are your fans and give them more value because they've already visited your website. And so in that way, by by knowing that you're interested in that website, you could get more value from the the, the person who's advertising. So I, I yeah, think there, there's there, kind of like two sides to that. There is an argument as well that um, if if uh, I'm saying this is my argument, but saying that if you are going to create a platform, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. And I hate doing this in discussions, but it's 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 useful. <laughs> rather, otherwise, it's just you and I getting you know ranting basically um not that we're not we are we're being very clever but play devil's advocate i can see that if you're going to provide a platform that costs millions of dollars to to build and that needs to run by selling advertising space that targeting or focusing adverts for specific topics that the users of that platform might enjoy could ne- could be seen as a good thing for example if you walk down the street um, and a bus goes by, and the bus has an advert on it for, um, I don't know, acne cream, just for the hell of it, and you are a 90-year-old kind of gentleman, that that advert means nothing to you. 
And similarly, if you were a 90-year-old gentleman using Facebook being shown lots of adverts for acne, they, it, would, it would just fall short. You know, you wouldn't pay any attention. It wouldn't strike through. Whereas if you were, and I can only speak for myself as how I was as a 14-year-old, mm. absolutely riven through with acne mm. and a proper pizza face. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not passing judgment. I'm talking about myself mm. and <laughs> trying to be, <laughs> to dig upwards here. Um, then that, that advertising is is relevant and that that could be seen as a positive thing yeah and 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 i think it absolutely is a positive thing because so um, I, 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 my, my history is that I, I've traveled quite a lot. And, um, and one thing I really, really noticed was uh, when I went to Manila and there are billboards everywhere in Manila, in the Philippines, there are billboards all over that city. You, you come out of the, the, the airport and there's just billboard after billboard as you go in. And, um, and you don't see that in, in places where perhaps, um, social media has been, has taken more of a foothold, let's say. And, and I think that's because they don't need it. Like in, in our big cities, we don't need giant billboards for a business to be successful because we have this very targeted, relevant advertising. And so I think, I think maybe where this discussion goes then is that, um, uh, you know, the, 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 a lot of the arguments that a lot of people who find that, that gray area so uncomfortable, they want to get rid of the targeted advertising. I, I feel that that throws the, the baby out with the bathwater. You know, it's, it's this, this tool has a lot of very positive um, qualities to it. I mean, like my, my Facebook, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like open with my Facebook. I do a lot on Facebook and it, sends me good ads like it sends me things that i want to buy you know and, and I, i'm quite happy and the thing is i don't ever take anything on face value i click an ad take a look at what it is and kind of do a bit more research and and there i think is the big missing link here and it's the same the same problem with the spread of misinformation through through social networks is that it's not that the tool is the problem is that we haven't been taught how to critically assess what we're seeing very well so there's there's people who are looking at these things and taking them at face value and that's where we're having this massive problem and and so i guess it could come down to one of those sustainable development goals of quality education right and making sure that that we we are we are actively teaching people how to critically assess what they see on social networks so they're not being so that this this useful tools doesn't start to become one that's that's hurting us it's it's a it's a topic that, that I'm really really interested in uh, because we've seen examples of platforms being used for you know, overtly negative things in the past. Um, I doubt anyone's going to sue me, but uh, you know, around around the Falklands War time, I'm older than you. <laughs> around the Falklands War time, um, the Sun had a, a headline, and it was a picture of uh, I think it was the Belgrade. It was one of the Argentinian ships being blown up, and they just put in massive letters "Gotcha," and they they completely misread the kind of the the feeling of the British public. So the British public as a whole was horrified, mm -hmm. and there are still people now who boycott the sun because of that happening in 1982. Now, 
it's fine to boycott a newspaper. I mean, there, there's most newspapers actually have done pretty kind of abhorrent things. Mm. And maybe that's one of the reasons their readership's going down. But it's quite easy because you can you can get through your day, you can get through a week, you can get through a month, a year, your whole life without having to pick up a newspaper. You don't need to do it. And I'm not saying you do need to, to use Facebook, but just to kind of back up your argument here, there's a lot of positivity. I, I started a a Facebook group for the people who live on my street. We've got a big, long Victorian row of terraces. And it's incredible. It's, there's even things like somebody went to the chip shop, accidentally bought a portion too many chips, and put a message up saying, look, I've got a spare bag of chips here. Does anyone want it? Someone said yes. Someone got some free chips. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's down to a really base level, which is brilliant. And I think, certainly among my age group, which is... Uh, mid forties, and you know, so my friends are kind of you know, most of them are, are roughly the same age as me because we all build bubbles around ourselves. It's almost become quite a trendy thing to leave Facebook mm. and to turn your back on it. And of course, please do if you want to. You know, you don't have to do any of these things. I, in fact, if people don't want to be on it, I think one of the things that keeps them on it is a fear of missing out. And I think that in itself is perhaps a negative thing about some social media. Mm. Um, but the truth is you you will miss out. <laughs> it's kind of how, how much that missing out matters to you as a person and, and your and your community, your bubble, your people around you. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fully on board with the chucking the bath, the baby out of the bathwater argument. But one of the things, the point I'm getting to is that you're talking about this being almost an education angle. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm seeing, and this is kind of in my own little subjective world, is that children are being taught that. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting thing. My daughter is nine, and she's being taught at school and has been since she started school not to take anything online. (laughs) It's literally anything online at face value. And I think kind of almost that generation's now ahead of a lot of people. Because they, they do look at things and say, well, who's saying that? Why are they saying it? And it's quite, it's quite nicely drummed into them. I think the bigger challenge is probably people who, like us, have long since left the kind of um, left education. And I don't think the answer is for people to become paranoid. It's just how, how do we educate? You know, what, what do we, what happens? What needs to happen? Can, do, will there be something? Sometimes people can become, as a mass, can become educated because something very negative happens. Mm. So uh, I don't want to pick anything dark, but there have been there have been several things within my lifetime that have made pretty much the whole world go, hang on, do you know what? We are not going to do that. Mm. And my thing is I don't want that to happen with social media. I don't want to get to the point where there is something horrendous that makes everyone abandon it. Because I think like like... If, if I understand you correctly, I think that would be an, a backward step. That would be a negative thing. Yeah, I think I, I, I think so. And I, at, um, on the point of the, the younger generation being better at it, it I think we're, we're 100% seeing that. And uh, I was listening to another podcast the other day about um, that was interviewing a generational expert. And he was talking about how COVID-19 was one of those moments that defines the next generation gap, right? Mm. And And... Um, the the Generation Z, you know, the ones after the millennials. I'm I, I, I'm a millennial. I'm right in the middle of millennials, basically. And um, and I think that it's it's all about the technology you grew up with, and so therefore, what kind of things you you um, 
internalize as a as a child. And so the 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 kids that are above six now are internalizing this very different way of growing up than we did. And and mm. the the critical analysis is definitely working. And and the thing is we can we we all know this. Like it, every generation knows that the the two generations above them was was educated differently from you and it's really diff- difficult to understand how they've how they're interpreting the things and why they aren't interpreting it the way you did. And so um I, I totally agree that there's this um education of the educated that needs to mm. happen and um and I, I there's some great like memes i guess out there that are about like you know about unlearning right and especially around the stuff around racism and, and black lives matter now it's like you could have grown up racist it doesn't mean you have to continue being racist and so sometimes it is about unlearning the the education we had as children to adapt to the world as it is now and I think that's a that's a really important thing to to for older people to internalize. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the nice thing with children is um, is that they they are willing to learn. They are they are willing to abandon things. Sometimes at a terrifyingly kind of swift rate. But yeah, it's kind of. For example, we teach. We've taught our daughter, and we're not unique in this. I'm I'm not um, virtue signaling or anything. We've taught her that changing your mind is a sign of thoughtfulness a sign of mindfulness that no matter how strong an opinion you have if you change it then that's a sign that you know you're, you're doing all right at life you know even if you change it in a bad way it's that that neuroplasticity that we all actually have but a lot of us kind of tend to forget about but what what i am curious about i love talking about kind of exploring topics like this but the thing i always tend to come back to and whoever i speak to is like what do we do though how how do we improve this? How do we educate? How what what can we do? I'm a real believer in the um, you know, the, the think globally, act locally mm. kind of cliche. And yeah. what what do we do? I mean, apart from the fact I tell my mum and my mother-in-law, and my dad, and my father-in-law, and <laughs> when I know just well, the classic thing is sharing. I think my parents' generation, who are now well, seventies, eighties. Some of the crap they share is is just like I have spoken to some people. I'm not going to say who it was, and just say, like, can you just just delete that? And I'm not telling you what to do, but just think about how that might be perceived. Yeah. Actually, I think I've struck upon something. Sorry, I'm just going on now, but <laughs> I've struck upon something here because I think my generation grew up without we grew up without batteries in toys, mm. and there. So I was born in '76. You were born in '88. That's not a massive difference. Mm. In, you know, in, in the the in the scale of all humanity, that's a, yeah. a speck. And yet our perspectives are very, very different. When I grew up, if you were at school and you farted in assembly, let's just choose something fun, the impact that would have, <laughs> literally the impact <laughs> within a few feet of where you were sitting, was, was quite significant. Everyone in the room heard it. The headmaster would point. I am talking from personal experience here. I had to stand up for a whole assembly once. I don't see how he thought that the headmaster would thought that would help the situation. Oh, but, um, but that, you know, the impact by the end of the day, most people have probably forgotten about it. Some people, you know, probably still haven't forgotten about it. But there were people within a mile or so of the high school I went to who didn't know that had happened mm. and were completely and utterly unaware. And there are certainly people in nearby towns who hadn't heard of it. And I doubt you'd heard about it. I'm sure this wasn't in your consciousness growing up. So we, 
yeah, so so the way my my kind of generation was possibly one of the last to have that kind of safety net of anonymity. But um, I'm kind of losing my thread a bit here. But the, what I'm trying to say with what I'm trying to avoid saying is news spreads faster, so we need to be more careful, and that's being facilitated by social media. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying not to say because I think that's that's a it's kind of an excuse. It's almost a lazy thing. I mean, it's it's like the argument of saying when years ago when politicians were accountable mm-hmm. they used to say oh yeah my career's been ruined by the sun exposing my affair and i used to think you probably shouldn't have had an affair to start with i don't think it's the the method of how the news has spread that's the fault of what's damaging your career at this point right. it's probably what you did um yeah. God, I've just gone completely off topic there. Go no, on, yeah. rein us in. Come and bring us back. Uh, yeah, I, I guess in terms of like um, talking about what what we can do about it, right? And and that this um, that the the root cause of it is kind of perhaps not the what we do on social media or even what we're talking about on social media, but more the the much wider environment we're in and the the effect of 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 runaway capitalism with with no boundaries and i think there there is something to be said about talking about the way we've we've structured our economy the way we've structured our governance and the way we've structured everything and i think that's why the the sustainable development goals are so um compelling is because it opens up our um our viewpoint of what is a good society to a whole lot of different things and and it's it's already you already see the effect of so many organizations organizations viewing different sections of what we consider social progress to to improve it and so the 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 problem of of social media and the problem of the the way it's used is not isolated to the way that social media is used or even the regulation around social media it's it's the effect is is very much from everything else as well and so i think there there is something to be said about that but i guess to bring it down from this very umbrella thing that seems like no one can have a real effect on is that I think even even when we're if if we come back to what can actually be done on social media is that I think there's a um what we need to remember is that social media is not our only form of communication and that we need to start, and I guess COVID-19 has really uh, uh, emphasized this for us, is that we need to remember to use other forms of communication because we get exhausted on each one and also people get caught in their echo chambers on on particular platforms. And what I mean by that is that, you know, Facebook is showing you more of what you like, so therefore you're therefore going to continue seeing more of what you like and you're never exposed to a different opinion. So it's, it's important to reach out to, I guess, I, I, I think particularly family is a great place to start because often it's very hard to break the bonds of family. It takes a, a lot to do that. And so disagreement on, on politics or, or even religion can, can be more can be discussed more in family, but but even your friends, your good friends that are that are starting to spout things that you disagree with, don't ignore them, don't block them. Start reaching out, having conversations, and and trying to keep the conversations calm rather than rather than you know attacking and and calling each other stupid. It's it's inquiring about where where they've got their information from and and dissecting and the critical analysis. I think is the the biggest thing and. And I think 
just just to, sorry to labor on the the uh, point of education, but I think a lot of us were educated in a in a rote way. You know, we were taught to learn things in a book and then spout it out in an exam. And critical analysis takes so much more than that. And that's why I think university is often quite important, is because it does teach us to start analyzing and how to analyze and how to do research in a, in a real way. And, um, and we, need to, I, I guess we need to reemphasize that a lot of the time to try and battle this, this misinformation and this, this misuse of, of our, our interests and our data. I, I think I've, I, I like where you're coming from. I'm, I'm fully on board with, with this. I mean, one of the ways that that my daughter is taught analytical thinking is they have what they call oratory um, sessions where they will, somebody will make a statement and it's always something current affairs. Somebody will make a statement then as a group, they discuss it. I just think, Oh my God, that that is just, if the world could do that, that'd be amazing. But um, yeah, absolutely. We are, we are all responsible. um, And we all have the very positive opportunity to, to make very small changes in a very granular way. I think you, you've summed it up. I think the friend who says something that you might think is a, a bit rare or you might disagree with or whatever, just have, being being able to calmly say, oh, I, that's not a perspective I've, I've, you know, I don't know what words, no one talks like that. Hey, that's not an ex, you know perspective <laughs> I have explored. But just, you know, you know your friends, you know what words to use. <laughs> but ha- having that ability, just say, okay, well, let's, Let's talk about that because the the reaction, the reaction that that's often shown on on Facebook, especially, is is two sides yelling at each other. Yeah. And for one thing, I don't think that's the way the world actually is. It's the way some of it is, mm. but big change can be made in exactly the way you've said, DJ. I was just saying, really, mm. just come. You're c- coming at it with what, what, with curiosity, yeah. right? There's the word. What a beautiful word. The I, I mean, I, I, I can't take credit for it. It's um, uh, I did this group that that shares resources on like how to how to talk about um, these sort of things with each other. And one of the one of the most compelling articles I read was, and one of the biggest takeaways I t- took from it was when you're trying to to understand someone else's point of view, come at it with curiosity. And and it's it's worked a lot in the way that I I approach people that I disagree with. Um, and I, I mean, I'm definitely not perfect, though. The number of times I've, I've really disagreed with something and then come in guns blazing, and, and then it just all going to crap. You know, yeah. but it's, it's hard not to. I mean, I grew up um, in a in a time where racist jokes, homophobic jokes, just anything horrible was kind of it was never acceptable, but it was it was something that just seemed fairly normal yeah i mean even like television programs yeah. were were horror if you look back on kind of even friends. things like only fools and horses well friends yeah and <laughs> only fools and horses from the early you know from the 80s some of the language is absolutely <laughs> horrendous and it wasn't acceptable then mm. but i think to kind of I want to end on a positive note. And I mean, the, the first positive is your your curiosity line. I think just approaching curiosity, that's just, that's so wonderful. I'm, 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 I'm going to use that. But in a, another more positive thing, I think the way a lot of unpleasantness has become less acceptable is, is proving itself in the fact that if people now say off-color things or make stupid jokes, it's not that necessarily people get cross. It's that there's just no reaction. Because you can't ignore these things, but 
you know, I've, I've said to people, you know, even in my friendship group, just like, I, where's the punchline? Yeah. <laughs> if somebody says something, right, you. The thing is, like, there's a massive assumption of, like, I hate the phrase, but the PC brigade, which doesn't exist, it's a, entirely a kind of, it's entirely a construct of people who who don't want to be disagreed with. I think, um, but you know, the, the accusation of you can't say that anymore. It's like, well, you can say what you like. It's just you're you're making your you're proving yourself to be irrelevant to a lot yeah. of society by saying these things. Yeah. So don't. Ultimately, a lot of people do like to fit in and like like to be accepted. Yeah. And you know, I think that's. I hope it's a positive. I'm not so sure now. I'm saying it. I mean, I mean, stick, I think stick to, the curiosity, shall we? <laughs> but 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 I think there is a positive there in that in that. Um, I think a lot of the time we look back at stuff that we grew up with, and we ourselves are no longer comfortable laughing at things that we used to to laugh at. And to me, that's that's a massive positive. That in the space of a single lifetime, we have created um, social change that has made an environment that's more acceptable for people who are different. And and that that is 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 indicative that. It's it's not too late, and it's not going to take years and years to make change. Like change can happen quickly, and I think it sometimes happens without us even realizing it. And and so we 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 our actions can change our society right now. We're we're not we don't even have to worry about the fact that our actions will only change society in fifty years. It can happen in the next few years. I think I think social media is possibly a positive part of that. I know we, as you were saying earlier, the way the algorithm works is that we're shown more stuff that we like. Yeah. So, for example, if you are very kind of socialist um, in your beliefs, you'll you'll be clicking socialist memes. <laughs> I assume <laughs> socialist memes is it that? Yeah, of course, this is a thing. Um, and Facebook will show you more of that, but. On the flip side of that, because a lot of the algorithm is based not on ethnicity, not on age, not on on sexuality, I would like to think that that is an opportunity with social media to expose people to people that they wouldn't necessarily come into contact with. And, you know, I think it's been proven before that exposure to different beliefs is an incredibly positive thing. So it, it can only be a good... It's the classic thing of... There's always pictures floating around on Reddit of like, you know, um, the British Spitfire pilot shaking hands with the the German fighter pilot he shot down and, and all those kind of things. Because as soon as people actually sit down and talk to each other, they're like, what, you hate the crusts on bread as well? You know, yeah. like just really, really basic defining and, and humanitarian things. Yeah. So there you go. There's a positive for social media. And it and it also creates a, a space where people can learn without feeling stupid. You know, so like a, a really good example is the LGBTQIA community, right? Like as we added more and more letters to that community, the education of what those letters mean can happen on social media through through memes, through through discussion, through through uh, infographics. But the people who want to know what it means don't have to worry about about their their um, awkwardness or shame in going up to an 
LGBTQI person being like, well, what does asexual mean? You know, what does pansexual mean? Because because the information's there. It's people are sharing it and and people are discussing it without without that person having to get involved at all. And I think that's that's been a huge thing to change a lot of things. And and even things like the Me Too movement for women is just exposing this this side of society that most men had no idea about because they don't experience it every day. But but they can see it now and they don't have to they don't have to go through the awkwardness of talking to women about it because the women on their networks are sharing it. Mm. So it, it provides this great space for learning, I think. There you go. Exposure is education. Yeah, exactly. I prefer your quote for the card. I'm, I'm, I think that, that was better. Okay, well, I really appreciate your time here. This this is clear. We've only really touched on on one aspect of the interwebs. <laughs> and I think there's it's plenty such more. It's an enormous to... topic. It is. And we, we don't have the answers. We, we have hints at what might be the answers because I think ultimately from my own perspective, being very subjective, if I was to declare I had the answer, then I think I would inherently be a big part of the problem. <laughs> Because we we don't have to arrive at an endpoint. That's not that's not what kind of positivity, mindfulness, and, and and progress is. We can't put a pin in stuff. The more we explore it, the more complicated it's going to get. And, and it's 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 the way we evolve, yep. in my opinion, which is neither right nor wrong. <laughs> and it changes every day. So there is no right and wrong. There's just the best we can do. I think <laughs> there's talking. There's yeah. talking to people and listening to people. Actually, let's, let's put listening first. I think there's listening to people and then talking to people. Absolutely. And to sum up the entire social media thing, I think um, curiosity is a great one. Um, I'm going to add the Bill and Ted maxim, which I think fits for most things in life. Just be excellent to each other. <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll we'll wrap up. So we've only touched on one subject and, you know... I, I, I almost don't care if people like this or not. I think, just think it's, it's quite kind of a good thing to put out there. I'm, this isn't exactly a populist kind of podcast. Well, DJ, thank you ever so much for your time. Um, before you go, how can people find out more about what you do? Um, I guess that the, everything is on my website, rainbowdragon.digital. Um, but you can obviously email me at dj at rainbowdragon.digital as well. I, I like having conversations with people. You can find me on all the social networks. They're, they're all on my website. So if you want to find me, that's the easiest place. Excellent. Actually, that, that is how I did find you. You were, you were part of a, some kind of LinkedIn outreach I was doing and we, we just kind of got chatting and here we are on a podcast. How's about that? Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to say goodbye. And if you've got comments on this, please do share them. Please share the podcast and do all those things. And above all, approach life with curiosity and be excellent to each other. Bye-bye. Bye.